CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Himalaya. You're listening to Think Like an Economist, a Himalaya learning production. For exclusive content like bonus episodes and supplemental materials for this podcast and others like it, go to Himalaya.com econ and enter promo code econ, E-C-O-N, at checkout to get your first 14 days free. It's time to think like an economist. It's $4 right now. I'm going to go up by 20 cents. Submit bid. You're the first bidder. Good luck. I think if I put down a bid of $5, I could be the highest bidder. So I'm getting in early. Oh, I've already been outbid. I want to win while spending as little money as possible. (laughs) Katie and Chris both want this rare white stripes vinyl, which they've seen in an auction. But who will win this auction? Well, that depends on who's willing to pay the most for it. That's another way of saying who wants it the most. And we're going to explore how prices are set on this week's episode of Think Like an Economist. I'm Betsy Stevenson. And I'm Justin Wolfers. We're going to teach you the tools of economics so you can make the best decisions for you. Thinking Like an Economist will change your life. So let's dig in. Nazarene Tavakoli Far joins us. So we're bringing demand and supply together on this episode. Yes, it's finally happening. It's a special economic style meetup. (laughs) Equilibrium is making me think of science experiments and letting fluids or gas particles even out or something. So what are economists talking about when they use the term equilibrium? It's basically the same concept, Naz. Scientists refer to equilibrium as a stable situation with no tendency to change. This occurs when competing forces balance each other. The same idea applies in economics. In economics, demand and supply are the competing forces. Equilibrium occurs when they're in balance. That happens when demand is equal to supply. In a market, the price changes to bring demand and supply into balance. In fact, there's only one point at which the quantity that buyers want to buy is equal to the quantity that sellers want to sell. Prices adjust until we hit what we call the equilibrium price. At this price, every seller who wants to sell an item can find a buyer. And every buyer who wants to make a purchase can find a willing seller. So if supply equals demand and they balance out in this way, that's how we get the equilibrium price? Exactly! We've talked about your demand for coffee, Betsy, and I remember that it obeyed the law of demand. So if price goes up, you'll buy less. My logic is that when the price is higher, it's not really worth buying more because an expensive coffee will cost me more than the marginal benefit I'll get from it. Also, last episode, we talked about the supply of coffee when we spoke to Samir in California. He follows the law of supply, which says that the higher the price, the more cups of coffee he'll want to sell. Yeah, when the price is higher, it's more likely to be profitable to produce more because we'll be able to cover the marginal cost of producing more coffee. So today we're going to look at what happens when buyers like Betsy and sellers like Samir come together. 
That's today's big question. Of course, in a real market, there are many, many buyers and many, many sellers. The buyers, it's pretty likely they're all going to act a bit like Betsy. And the sellers, they're all going to act a bit like Samir. Equilibrium is what happens when all these folks interact. The equilibrium we're going to analyze today applies if there's something called perfect competition. This is when many people are buying and selling identical goods. So a perfectly competitive market for coffee would have lots of different shops selling identical coffees, which then gives me lots of options of where to buy this uniform cup of coffee. It also involves lots of people looking to buy coffee. Under perfect competition, no individual buyer or seller is really a big enough deal that they'll get any kind of special treatment. The real world, well, it's a little bit messier, and we'll come to that in later episodes. The coffee market is very competitive, though, and that affects how Samir is going to set his price. When you're in a perfectly competitive market and it's in equilibrium, your best strategy is to charge pretty much the same price as your competitors. And why is this the case? Well, Samir could try charging a bit more than his rivals, but if the other coffee shops on your block sell a pretty much identical product for less, you'll quickly lose all your customers. Alternatively, Samir could charge a bit less than his competitors. But this doesn't make sense either. If he's the only shop on his block charging that lower price, he'll get all the customers from all the other coffee shops, which sounds great until you realise there's no way he could serve that many customers. Okay, so what does all of this mean for equilibrium, which is today's topic? It means that it's the market that determines the equilibrium price, not individual managers. So managers in perfectly competitive markets don't spend a lot of time strategizing about price. The best choice for any individual supplier is to simply follow the market, charging the typical market price. So our task for today is figuring out where this market price comes from. Buyers like me want to buy more coffee if the price is lower, but sellers like Samir will then supply fewer cups of coffee at this price. So therefore, buyers want more coffee than sellers want to produce. That's not an equilibrium. And if the price is too high, suppliers will want to sell a lot more coffee than buyers will want to purchase. That's also not an equilibrium. I feel like there's a Goldilocks moment that's about to happen. So somewhere between a price that's too low and a price that's too high, there's got to be a price that's just right. There is. Equilibrium is the point where the quantity demanded is exactly equal to the quantity supplied. And at this point, Goldilocks would declare the price just right. We call it the equilibrium price. Let's really hone in and get into the details of how we actually get to an equilibrium. On either side of equilibrium, there are two things that can happen, a shortage or a surplus. And when these happen, they set off a series of price changes that'll push us towards the equilibrium. For example, at $3 a cup, I'm willing to go to a coffee shop several times a day, but Samir isn't willing to open at all. Remember when the price is too low, more people want to buy coffee than there are sellers wanting to make it for them. So there's a shortage of coffee. Now, sellers like Samir are pretty savvy. Remember, he told us that he wouldn't be in business at $3 a cup. But if he sees long lines out the door at other coffee houses, he might spot an opportunity. Perhaps it's worth opening and charging 4 bucks a cup. Some of the folks who couldn't get coffee because of the shortage will be happy to pay Samir's higher price than to do without. And how about other sellers? What, what will they do? Well, those folks charging $3 will see that they can charge $4 and still have more customers that they can handle. 
so they'll all raise their price a bit too. That higher price might scare away a few buyers and it might lead a few coffee shops to try to supply more coffee. But what if there's still a shortage though? Then the process continues. As long as there's still a shortage, the coffee shops will still find that they're overrun with customers. So folks like Samir will think, why not raise my price a bit more? And they'll keep doing this as long as the demand for coffee outstrips the supply. So whenever there's a shortage, market forces will push the price up. Yep, and they'll keep pushing prices up until those shortages have been eliminated, which occurs when the quantity demanded is equal to the quantity supplied. That is, market forces will push the price up until it gets to the equilibrium price. And exactly what does this mean, though? That there are as many people wanting to buy coffee at $5 a cup as there are people wanting to sell it to them at $5 a cup. At this price, there's no pressure for the price to change. And how about the opposite? What happens if the price is higher than that? I remember that, Betsy, you said you're not willing to go for coffee every day if coffee costs $8 a cup. But Samir said he'd open his shop for a few more hours if prices are going to be that high. In that case, we have what we call a surplus of coffee, which is basically the opposite of a shortage. When coffee's really expensive, coffee shop owners like Samir want to sell loads of coffee but they're going to be disappointed to discover that not many people will come to their shop to pay, say, eight bucks a cup. To get more people like me to buy coffee, they're going to have to drop their prices. As the price goes down, more people are willing to buy coffee. This process of coffee shops cutting their prices to try to lure customers to buy their surplus will continue until we get to our equilibrium price of $5. So whenever there's a surplus, market forces push the price down. And whenever there's a shortage, market forces push the price up. So basically, things adjust both ways until $5 is a stable price. Yes. The bottom line is that shortages lead the price to rise and surpluses lead the price to fall. The equilibrium is the only stable point because the quantity demanded is equal to the quantity supplied. So there's no competing force trying to move the price in a different direction. No shortage or surplus. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Katie. I'm in Seattle. Hello, I'm Chris. I'm in Toronto. And I'm about to bid on a vinyl. I'm about to bid on the White Stripes Icky Thump 7-inch white vinyl. This is really cool. I've loved this band for a long time. I think this would be a cool thing to have. It's $4 right now. 
I'm gonna go up by 20 cents. Submit bid. You're the first bidder, good luck. I think if I put down a bid of $5, I could be the highest bidder. So I'm getting in early. You can see what's happening here. Katie and Chris both really want this rare vinyl. So they're each pushing the price up. Oh, I've already been outbid. I want to win while spending as little money as possible. <laughs> I'm checking back in on my vinyl here. And now we've got 10 minutes and 40 seconds left. I put my maximum at $7 and we're currently at $5.50. All right, let's see what happens. I see I'm no longer the highest bid. I'm going to put in a bid for $7.50. Send. Okay, I'm the highest bidder again. This is exciting. <laughs> okay, it says I've been outbid. Okay, so someone else is definitely looking at this. I see there's a couple bidders in the mix now. Counting down, and I'm still the highest bidder at 8.50. We're almost at one minute left. 12 is the highest bid. We've been outbid. Let's try 13. Bid. 13. Somebody's ahead of me. I'm going to get a bid ready for 15, and I'm going to put it in at the last possible second. Oh, they've already been outbid. Okay, 14 is my highest. We've been up it. Okay, let's put, oh, let's put 15 as my highest. I've been, okay, I'm gonna put 17 and go. This is nerve wracking. I'm really nervous. Chris is only willing to go so far. This auction is almost over. We've got six seconds. They're gonna do it again. I've already gone over what I wanted to pay. Four, three, two, one. Oh, no. And so Katie wins the auction. I won the auction. Exciting. Yes. Oh, I lost. I can't believe this. <laughs> that is very frustrating. Okay, I paid $16. That's only $1 over what I wanted to pay. Yay. Auctions are an interesting example. There's usually only one of the item that people want to buy. In this case, there's only one record, which both Katie and Chris want. So they basically need to battle it out to see who wants it more. It's just as well we don't buy cups of coffee this way. Thank goodness. I'd outbid you any day, Betsy. No way. We've looked at how we get to an equilibrium price. Once we're there, would it just stay like that forever? No. If other things change, the market price will change too. Okay, so one depends on the other, and that sounds a bit like the interdependence principle. You bet. Remember, your best choice depends on your other choices, the choices that others make, developments in other markets, and expectations about the future. If any of these things happen, demand and supply will change too. I think I remember this. So a rise in income might cause a coffee lover who's earning more money to buy more coffees. Or say if tea becomes more expensive, people might start buying coffee instead of buying tea. Preferences might shift. I mean, I, I think coffee's become more popular over the past decade or so. I, I guess there's just loads of reasons why the demand for coffee might increase. There's tons. So let's try an example. Say we're in a recession and people's incomes fall or coffee from a cafe becomes less popular. What will that do to the price of coffee? So if demand and supply used to be in balance, but there's now less demand... That'll cause a surplus, and a surplus pushes prices down. At a lower price, sellers will want to make fewer cups of coffee as it's less profitable for them. So the price and quantity will both fall. That's it. And one more thing. Notice that a change in demand leads price and quantity to also change in the same direction. Lower price, 
will lead to less quantity. Higher price will lead to more quantity. Okay, so that's demand. How about when supply changes? Okay, I, I think I've got this. If coffee beans become cheaper or new technology makes it cheaper to produce each cup, then Samir's costs are going to go down. So making and selling coffee is even more profitable for him. So he's going to want to sell more cups. Or new coffee shops might open, increasing the supply. As you pointed out, there's lots of reasons why the supply of coffee might increase. Naz, you've now got the tools to trace through the effects of this. Okay, there's now more supply. That's going to cause a surplus. And a surplus pushes the price down. A lower price means buyers are going to want more coffee. So the price of coffee will fall and the quantity will rise. That's right. And now I want you to notice that the change in supply leads the price and the quantity to move in different directions from each other. Betsy, Justin, we've been exploring how we get to an equilibrium. How would you sum this up? Buyers and sellers will change their behavior until things balance out. We call this the equilibrium, and it tells us about price and quantity. So the equilibrium is where the quantity people want is equal to the quantity sellers want to sell. That's supply and demand. And that points to something important. Prices depend on what both buyers and sellers want. When demand changes, it'll cause prices and quantities to move in the same direction. But when supply changes, prices and quantities will move in opposite directions. And how should I start thinking about equilibrium so that I can really get to grips with it? There's an old economic paradox about how water is essential to life, yet it's so cheap it's almost free. By contrast, diamonds are completely inessential. I mean, they're pretty and they sparkle, but who really needs them? The paradox is that diamonds are expensive and water's really cheap. The answer is that prices aren't just about how useful something is. They reflect both demand and supply. And water is plentiful, while diamonds are scarce. So over the next few days, try to think of other things that are a bit like diamonds, in that they're expensive but basically pointless. Also try to think of other goods that are like water, that are ridiculously cheap but essential. And use your understanding of supply, demand and equilibrium to make sense of this. Betsy, Justin, thanks for teaching us all how to think like economists. To get the most out of this show, check out our bonus episodes and supplemental materials available only on the Himalaya Learning platform. Himalaya Learning provides bite-sized courses from world-class thinkers and industry experts such as Ariana Huffington, Malcolm Gladwell, Tim Ferriss, and more for you to enjoy in the app on the go. To get the most out of this podcast and others like it, go to Himalaya.com slash econ and enter promo code econ, E-C-O-N, at checkout for your first 14 days free. It's time to think like an economist. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> Auto Trader.